Welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on January the 28th, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, I used this one last week. Fuck. Got for rage? Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't, I ran out of things on my list and didn't update it. Whoopsie. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the January Game Club, as it is the last week of the month, where the water tastes like wine. Hey, we're actually doing it on the right week this time. I know. We will be revealing our next Game Club game. The Plex for Good campaign nets a big bid. Video game gambling legislation is proposed to clarify Washington State's laws. Plague Inc. goes viral in China after coronavirus scare. And we will have a weekly discovery queue as long as time allows. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. What's new with you on air uh, instead of off? Well, I think I have my audio issue finally sorted out. And it was dumb, as I suspected. Because let's be honest, either a computer virus, or sorry, I shouldn't say computer virus because it was a virus, but a computer problem. Whenever it's something annoying, it's either incredibly dumb or incredibly obscure and it's like one tick box and like five layers of menus that something's gone wrong mine was dumb so should i go into why it was dumb please do okay uh my computer is getting on up there in age and it's been needing to be replaced for quite a while so uh windows updates on pond windows updates Something somewhere, it didn't like the sound card on my motherboard. And I would say probably mid-December, because that's also whenever I had the Forza problem. Or actually a little bit before that, like early December, late November. But I didn't attribute it to a Windows update. I attribute it to just, yeah, for, they did something with Forza. Well, I'm pretty much done with Forza anyway, so I'm not too, going to dive too much into it. So, I didn't really think about it until I noticed, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago that, hey, wait a minute, I got a process that's using up like 30% of my CPU that's, you know, a Windows vital process. That's, And it's also causing an overflow with another one that's taking up another 20, so I'm using like half my CPU on idle on two background processes. Hmm, that's not right. And we've been having audio issues for the last several weeks. And, well, I started searching. And this is not an uncommon problem. It was the audio endpoint builder for Windows. And you start searching that on Google, and you start getting some really varied suggestions. And I actually broke all the audio on my computer at one point because they said, well, uh, sometimes the endpoint uh, uh, isn't on the right administrative account, so you have to reassign it. And I did forward slash instead of backslash, or backslash instead of forward slash. I did the wrong slash and killed all the audio on my computer for like six hours until I remembered, oh, wait a minute, I I did this fix last night trying to fix something else. So... 
after a couple weeks of on and off looking, I saw one post talking about, well, I had this uh, weird thing happen, uh, uh, start happening to me whenever I had my headphones plugged into the headphone jack. And I sat there and thought about it for a moment and remembered, I have a set of desktop speakers that I don't use anymore. Because, honestly, even though they're louder than the uh, monitor speakers, the monitor speakers, the ones that are built into my main monitor, are clearer. So I just started using those whenever I did uh, uh, a loudspeaker, essentially. I'll reach behind the computer, unplug the cable. Ten seconds later, my computer goes from 50-60% idle to four. It was because I had speakers I haven't used probably about six months plugged into the back of my computer. Probably the dumbest thing, huh? (laughs) That is pretty dumb. I don't even know how that could... Did you figure out why it did that? Like, was there anything that said how it made that happen? Nothing. As far as I could tell, it's essentially just Windows doesn't like certain hardware configurations, especially on older motherboards. And, hey, I hit the lottery. There you go. Not quite the worst lottery, but, I mean, you know, it's it's a pretty bad one. Well, at least my computer didn't blow up. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I'm thinking that's what caused my most recent issue with my network connectivity stuff. Do you want to share yours? Yeah, I've I've had these weird issues where my um, computer would just randomly disconnect from the internet. And I've had problems with my home networking before. Um, And so I spent hours one Saturday, like nearly the entire day, like checking and rechecking my entire network. Um, Everything, I've got network um, ports or RJ45 wall connections in every single room in the house and they run up to like a splitter in the attic like it's all like wired together it's not like there's a network switch up there and then that all runs to my living room where they plug into my main router and the, you know my modem is in there and everything and so i'm like starting to worry like shit am i gonna have to get in the attic and mess with this and figure all this out and i'm too fat really to be up in my attic <laughs> like, i'm I sorry just, i'm just i'm having this picture of just a pair of legs uh, dangling from the ceiling, stuck in the uh, in the entryway. Yeah, no, I'm 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 just uh, too fat to be up there. I can. Uh, the the ladder uh, fell, and you're just stuck. Yeah, I I can be up there, but I'm just I'm too fat for it. It's very uncomfortable. And then I then then I was looking under my desk, and I do have a network switch sitting under my desk because in my office I have at least three devices plugged up to it at all times because i have well currently i've only got four computers in this room um and one of them is sitting over on my workbench partly disassembled but i have at least three that are plugged in at all times and i've got another one a network cable ran up to my desk so that i can plug my laptop in and not have to worry about the shitty wi-fi through the, through the brick wall and and whatnot and i noticed that the light specifically where my primary desktop is plugged in is flickering, not in the sense of like it's flashing to show that it's connected, but like it'll flash for a second and it'll go off. And it'll flash for a second and it'll go off. And I look up 
and it's synced up with when my computer's like, I'm connected to the internet. Oh, fuck you. I'm not connected anymore. I'm connected to the internet. Fuck you. I'm not anymore. And I went, is it really that simple? And I unplugged it, my computer from that port, and plugged it into another port on the network switch. Problem solved. My best guess is that when my power supply exploded uh, last year, whenever that was, that there something caused like some electrical damage or a short or something. And it's just slowly been getting worse and worse over time. So uh, I got a new network switch because I do actively use all of the ports on the switch. But um, for right now, like I, I ordered it on like eBay or something because I had some rewards credit or whatever. And um, but for now, I just unplugged something else and moved the, the cable over with my desktop. And I haven't had any issues since. It's like two minutes of basic troubleshooting. But I'm like, well, it's just it can't be that problem. It, that can't be it, right? I always start with the simple stuff. I mean, to be fair, I completely forgot I had my speakers uh, connected, let alone. Yeah. Why would my speakers cause a 40 to 50% jump on activity on my CPU? Right? Yeah. So, yeah, we both had weird computer shit. Yeah. But on the plus side, I think it's also solved my audio issues as well. Because I haven't had uh, any severe uh, cut-ups lately. Yeah, you sound perfectly fine on my end. And you haven't mentioned that I'm cutting out all over the place, so I assume I'm working on your end. Yeah, unfortunately I could hear you. <laughs> well, it's really a lose-lose situation. Either you can hear me and you have to deal with me, or you can't hear me and we can't do our show. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> yeah so i guess we're just going to rewrite the simulation so we could win absolutely that's what i would do yeah but you have to be smug about it whenever they uh shoot the movie right yes oh he was very smug about it in the book too though have you ever read the book no but of course you have i have i've read quite a f- i mean i have i've read nowhere near as many star trek books as i have star wars books but well to be fair there's not that many good star trek books from what i could gather I haven't there, read a Star, Star Trek book in probably 10 years. But anyways. I've heard some very much things about Picard. Uh, yeah. Everyone in, that I'm subscribed to on YouTube that talks about sci-fi or Star Trek content is like, it's amazing. It's saving Star Trek. But then my mom watched it and she was like, yeah, it was okay. And my, I trust my mother. She is the biggest Trekkie I know. That woman... Like, you think you and I can sit and have a semi-decent in, you know, conversation about Star Trek. No. She can tell you episodes, what happened in those episodes, character interactions, and, and plot points. And it's like, you know, she's, she's that person. And so she watched and she was like, it was okay. So in other words, if you mention uh, Wolf 359, she starts going off uh, on all the ships that were lost by name. <laughs> yeah, and the crew members. The captains, where that they were referenced in other episodes. Like, yeah, my mom can do that. It's, it's crazy. It's like magic. That's her, like, special... That's her superpower, is Star Trek knowledge. Well, mine is being disappointed by the game club. 
Oh, there you go. <laughs> you being the one who get us on track. Indeed. So Game Club, for anyone who this is your first time joining us for said Game Club, Rage and I often have different tastes in games, and so don't play the same game. Or if we do, it's not at the same time or in the same way. Game Club is a way that we can come together, play the same game at the same time, and then have a discussion about it. Uh, for the month of January, we played Where the Water Tastes Like Wine, a relatively short game. Um, sort of. Depending on how you play it, the average like time to beat is 14 to 15 hours. And compared to some of the other things we've had on Game Club, that is pretty short. Yeah, especially but, uh, with some of the things we have on tap for it, too. Indeed. But, uh, but um, yeah, I think Walking Simulator is a fair one. Uh, walking Simulator, uh, I'm just looking at the uh, Steam game tags. Uh, try, uh, walking Simulator Interactive Fiction, I think, is a fair uh, uh, set of tags. I'm not sure if I would call this a visual novel, because that's usually a very set thing, but eh. Yeah, so we are going to be discussing, if you want to play this game completely unspoiled, we're going to be discussing some things that are pretty spoilery. The, literally, the entire game is story content. I mean, there's some game mechanics, we'll get into that, but the literal point of the game is to travel across the United States, collecting stories and sharing them with other people to sort of advance. Yeah, you're essentially uh, the, you're, you're essentially the Johnny Appleseed of American folklore. Folklore. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean that's not untrue. Yeah. But so, I mean, I, neither of us, I'll, I'm just going to say up front, neither of us beat this game um, for various, for a couple of reasons, or for a few reasons I'm sure we're going to talk about. But, I mean, we each played, I played it for probably about five hours. I, I would uh, say I played it for about the same, but I got further on progression because of how I was tackling the game. Yeah. When we first talked, I think I was... You were further on progression on a couple of characters, but I had more characters that I'd interacted with, but you played it more after me, and I did not play it anymore. Yeah, I ended up completing uh, six, uh, no, six out of uh, 16, so just over a third of the characters. Yeah. So uh, the, the game's really broken up into two major phases, where you're on the overworld map of the United States, Walking around, uh, hearing snippets of story, essentially the what they call the seed of a story, an actual event that happened, and also interacting with uh, various uh, characters. There's 16 in total, and they're all in set locations. So uh, Quinn uh, will always be in the American uh, or uh, the American Northeast, uh, New England, somewhere. I'm not sure if he's always in the exact same spot to start, but the idea of it is that you have to learn about 16 very special characters and spend four nights essentially learning their stories. And these are more in-depth interactions, and you use the seeds of the stories that you learn on the Everworld, like uh, an uh, an encounter where you see, uh, well, to use one since we already have our spoiler tags up, um, in New York, you learn about 
a couple that has to split up essentially or go their separate ways for the time being because of unemployment in the city and he has to go look for work while she's staying in the city. So if a character is looking for a sad story, one of the special characters, you tell them that seed. And then once they leave for the night and go on their merry way for you to catch up with them again later, they'll retell the story and through the game of telephone, just telling the story over and over again, it's elaborated on, it's embellished, and becomes more than that, that singular event. For example... Uh, a woman that was given a prank uh, letter to just have uh, go to this one particular place. Uh, sorry, I just uh, you know, Jim was sending me a message, but uh, it took me off track. Uh, gotcha. Uh, cool. a, a woman that was given a joke letter of uh, you know a fake address. That's you know, and she's completely confused because she's a foreigner. And doesn't really read English all that well. Yeah. Well, she asks you, uh, you know, where uh, do you know where this is? And by you know telling this kind of funny story, uh, it morphs into well, it's this French spa that uh, uh, is over here uh, looking for a her secret agent counterpart uh, through a coded message. Or a pair of bootleggers that were uh, watching their tor uh, their car being torn apart by cops slowly morphs into through retelling and retelling of okay, well it, they weren't just standing there; they were resisting arrest. No, they had this epic shootout, and by the way, it was this uh, you know, legendary bootlegger or uh, more famous stories of Pecos Bill and and. Uh, uh, Casey Jones, mm -hmm. uh, where they're mundane characters that slowly morph into legendary stories. It's that idea where the retelling over and over and over again embellishes the story where, yes, there's that kernel of truth, but it's been lost into this folklore. Yeah. And the way that you... So you can interact with quite a few of these events to have the story play out a, a, in one way or another. Yeah, but so, it doesn't really change all that much from what I can tell. Um, the I only thought, thing it really changes is the category. You know, yeah. The, 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 different ca the different stories fall into different categories based on uh, the tarot. You know, the, uh, was it 16 different cards of the tarot? Yeah. And they so fall into like a uh, happy, or, or not really happy, but... Uh, the lovers uh, talk about love and uh, romance, uh, death, talking about uh, uh, new beginnings, but also literal death, that sort of thing. And your choices could influence which category they end up in, but not the overall theme of the story. Sorry, I could tell. Yeah, which I was, which I was going to say, like, I don't think it changes the overall theme of the story because, in general, whenever you meet these special characters, and as you you. Uh, try and gain essentially their trust or whatever so that they will tell you their their stories they'll ask you like you know tell me a, tell me a funny story or tell me a story that's sad or or whatever and so as you do that there's only sort of especially at the beginning this might matter a, a less way farther down the line 
but essentially in the beginning, like you don't have as many stories to tell. And so it's a, good to have ones in different categories um, because you can only tell one story from each category or from each sort of tarot card representation. Yeah, and then but you also, can't tell another story from that. Yeah, but also you can't retell the same story, which uh, with the way that how the stories evolve doesn't make a lot of sense to me because uh, it's a, rarely the same story. Uh, from beginning to end. Yeah. Like, uh, there's one story, or one story that was starting to evolve whenever I uh, ended my game, was it was about a woman that was afraid of cows that basically they barged into her home. Well, they it morphed into intelligent cows that were taking over the owner's home. Not really the same story. No, two very different stories. Like, cows you, barging into a home sounds kind of funny, whereas intelligent cows taking over is scary or creepy or yeah but it's still considered a funny story and that's the thing is that sometimes it's hard to tell and i eventually just started having the steam god open the background to be able to tell because uh, whenever you're looking at the list it's only giving you the snippet of what the story is and whenever you're even told the story you're told 30 seconds usually 30 to 40 seconds of narration of, uh, you know, about the story, you know, some of the events. But uh, one example is uh, the mischievous ghost of uh, the Cincinnati Orchestra. Did you ever encounter that one? I don't think I got that one, no. Okay, well, it was essentially ghosts talking about how uh, they were trapped in the symphony hall of the Cincinnati Orchestra. And the only way to free them was to ring the most perfect of instruments, the triangle. So your character runs down, barges through the orchestra pit, and rings the, tor- the triangle. And all the ghosts burst out laughing, talking about how <laughs> he fell for it. Well, through retelling, it becomes, instead of your character making a fool of themselves, uh, they murdered the sympathy the sympathy but at the same time it's still considered a funny story right uh yeah yeah because murder is definitely funny for well, sure well you can't have slaughter without laughter hi um this game is set roughly post world war one uh, during the depression depression yeah but it does some interesting or weird things with that timeline um, because you would, there's certain encounters you have, and I think these are maybe supposed to, at least a couple of them, maybe should have fallen more into the supernatural realm. It's hard to say, but you, you have encounters with like some Civil War figures who yeah. like just finished a battle. Um, there's the ghosts of, I can't remember if it was the Revolutionary War or the Civil War. Yeah, yeah in Boston. Boston. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had that. It was a uh, revolutionary. Uh, there was a, a, a well, uh, I, I'll just rate it as a, a supernatural occurrence where you encounter a injured uh, a southern soldier that you know is obviously yeah you know, either not there or some sort of odd occurrence where uh, his wounds have basically you know, look like there's no way that he could have been living anyway. Uh, yeah, but I'm looking for the character uh, name. Who who was the the 
the woman who was the guitarist, the blues guitarist. I, I didn't get to encounter her. Okay. I can't I can't remember her name because I only ran into her once. But her story um essentially takes place or should take place in the future. Um essentially she I mean she's got a, a tragic life, but her whole thing is about being trapped. She was trapped in in this life, she was trapped in a situation. And she's dealing with issues with record labels. And there's a podcast that I listen to called American Scandal that talks about various times um, or, or various different like huge American scandals that turned into like legal things or whatever. And one of them had to deal with this specific thing, like not this person, like, you know, it's, it, it's a fictional character, but a situation that took place with record companies and radio stations in like the 1940s and the 1950s that it, to some extent has played out into today, like the modern era. Well, but like it's, it, it, Based on her story, I think it's impossible that she could have existed in the 1920s to 30s, like post-World War One Depression era United States. Well, well I, there was another one, the coal miner. I mm-hmm. mean, he was in the wrong Virginia. He, he should have been a West Virginian because they, he talks about literally uh, the coal wars and everything. And they got the wrong state. Yeah, I I noticed that too. Actually, I I'd forgotten, they got some, but I noticed that they they got some of the geography really fucked up. Like um, the Ohio River does not go into the Atlantic. It does not go between uh, Maryland and Virginia. Uh, they have uh, some of the uh, areas kind of a little funky. Uh, the Florida uh, Peninsula is a little off. I mean, I realize that, you know, that doesn't matter. But whenever you have a boundary like the Ohio River, I mean, it feels like they wanted to have some sort of a boundary between north and south, and they didn't want to make it a, a non-physical one. So they just rerouted the river for some reason. I didn't notice any issues with Tennessee. That was all good. They did make the mountains, the uh, Appalachian Mountains, impassable. Which I get yeah. from a gameplay decision, but otherwise, Tennessee looked fine. So did Georgia. Well, there was uh, Dick Hall to do in uh, West Virginia, so they had that uh, right on. <laughs> yeah, uh, but there was a couple. Uh, there was another thing where they were obviously building uh, the New River Gorge Bridge in in the store in one of the major stores in West Virginia, but that was like the fifties. If memory serves correctly, yeah. I mean they they had that you know, set way in the future. I think I, I, don't, I, don't think, I know this is probably splitting hairs, but yeah, we might be being a little bit nitpicky. I don't think it matters that much. This game is much more about the atmosphere, and I think sort of the overall themes that it's trying to trying to raise. Sort of the yeah, history but, of a place is in its people. You know, and the stories that we tell and the power that a story and an idea can have. Yeah, but very true. But at the same time, the details of in a story based game matter. Yeah. Uh, And for someone that knows the area, especially when you said in a real world, uh, it starts to lose some of its impact whenever you realize, oh, this is kind of odd. Yeah. And that that portion of it do, didn't bother me all that much. If the game was a lot more, and we, I think we've kind of just been talking. I don't really know if we've really talked about any things that we really like or dislike. Just sort of talking about it. 
I'm about to dive into my biggest problem with this game. I, I think if the game was a lot more concentrated, either more linear, which in some ways defeats the purpose, I get that, but it, either more linear or just in general faster to go through, it would have been a lot better experience because it's novel and it's fun at first and then it bogs down real fast. There's too much, this feels weird to say, there's too much gameplay in the middle of this experience. You walk way too slow, hitchhiking cars and hopping trains to get across the country faster, basically just dumps you out at the next city. So usually. Yeah, usually. So anything that is between sort of the two major cities that you would get by walking around, you're just going to have to go back to anyways. So that feels pointless and you can walk faster by whistling, but it's like a little mini game. So you can't even just hold down a button to whistle and walk faster. You have to play the little mini game and that's fine for a minute, but then you spend, you know, three hours wandering around whistling. Which it uh, mutes the music as well, or well, I shouldn't say mute, but dampens the music. So you're just listening to the whistling of the tune of the music, which is a deep effect. But I think uh, part of me wishes that this was set, mm, I would say, a hundred years earlier, so that it was more concentrated in like the eastern United States. Yeah, that would if be a they, good way if, to do if, that. If they wanted to keep it in the United States or even make it a you know a fantasy world or something like that uh, about storytelling. It just it feels like they focused too much on snippets of story but never really wanted to go into a beat of a story. Like whatever you start learning about a game evolving or sorry, about the story evolving, you're just told, well, uh, it's this new fantastical way, and you're told essentially uh, the story is now about mole people. <laughs> well, I'd like to hear about the mole people. Yeah, and it feels like they kind of had the well to borrow their term. They had the seeds of a very interesting story-based game. But it just hadn't evolved enough because they were so bogged down in uh, this overarching narrator, Sting. Yep. Uh, well, at least... He's at least, least the voice of the wolf. Yeah, he's I, for yeah, sure I'm, the voice of the wolf. Yeah, I'm not convinced it's the, uh, he's the narrator that's uh, talking all the time. Because that would have been way too expensive. Yeah. Unless, uh, like, one of the game devs was blowing Sting while he was uh, giving the narration. (laughs) Well, you never know. But it it just feels like the main meat of the stories is tied up in the 16 characters. And you only even then really learn little bits about their story and not... The overarching thing, like uh, Quinn is a good example. Quinn is a really interesting character. Quinn is a runaway, I would say, what, 10, 12 years old uh, boy? Yeah, something like that. Uh, with two hounds. Uh, and I, I uh, spent a bit of time building up with Quinn, because Quinn's the first one I encountered, which usually is, unless you uh, know to use the port from... Uh, to uh, Miami, which we'll get to that. 
But uh, Quinn uh, eventually opens up to you and tells you why he hates his family. Is that essentially when the Depression happened, his family lost everything. And he had a brother and a sister and his two parents uh, living at this family farm. Well, his brother got sick, and they couldn't afford medicine, and Quinn doesn't understand that. So they, or at least, I hope this is what happened. That's the thing, it's that a lot of the stories are open to interpretation as well. So Quinn's brother died of a illness, and then they said that they really couldn't keep Quinn anymore, and that he was old enough to make his way out in the world, and basically cast him off, and kept his baby sister and Quinn is really bitter to adults about that because he views them in his words as a Judas's and as bitter about them losing them killing his brother but also a little bitter about his sister as well because she'll have a normal life but not know the price that uh, was paid for it and I found it a very interesting and sad tale. But also it's punctuated with Quinn talking about, you know, uh, playing uh, the crying uh, act to get out of trouble uh, whenever he was in this one town or uh, how it's just uh, uh, him and his two dogs and he doesn't need anybody else. And it, I mean, it, Quinn's a very interesting character and I would have loved to sp- spend more time with him, but you only get four nights of story progression, and that's it. Quinn's story's gone. He's off the map completely. Yeah, once they're done, you can't go back and talk to him. Um, yeah. Had a lot of had a lot of issues with this game. I mean, yeah, you're, it, and you're doing a good job covering like all the issues that that I've well, had. I well, it. I also had uh, actual gameplay mechanic issues as well. Okay, but did you have gameplay mechanic issues? Well. With? Well, I had a little bit of a stutter whenever it would load in stuff. So mm-hmm. if I'm whistling, I was actually you know going the same speed. So I just eventually just let it go on auto walk. Uh, if I was loading into a new area, and I was loading it from the SSD because I thought you know maybe it was the uh, you know just the drive's getting old. I loaded it to my uh, you know my big data drive, which is a lot newer and has a lot more bandwidth. And even the SSD, I was still doing it. So I'm not sure if it's just, you know, computer getting old or, you know, just one of my nuanced things. But the thing is that one issue I had was, well, I had the game crash a couple times. Two, I had it where if I had more than three stories, or okay, each of the 16 categories, you could only have three stories loaded at a time. And each of the stories has various levels of uh, evolution, essentially an eye opening up. And whenever they're fully awakened, the story is that it's most powerful during the minigame at night. Mm-hmm. Well, you can only use the story once per character, no matter what. And if you have more than three stories, you have to swap them out in each uh, of the 16 uh, categories of the tarot. Well, if I had more than three on deck, essentially if I had six in a category, if I got a seventh, I wasn't able to switch to it because it would bug out and I would try to scroll down. It would just stutter. 
and wouldn't let me switch to the uh, seventh story. And the only way I was able to switch to it was to load up my controller and do that. But then the game would crash if I had to talk to a character. So I'd have to start up my controller, swap stories, then turn off my controller. (laughs) So, yeah. That's annoying. I never ran into that issue, but I almost immediately swapped to playing with controller from keyboard and mouse to playing with controller. Yeah, and here's the thing, is that once I got past a certain point, I was starting to knock out characters quickly. So I talked about this a little bit before, and the reason why is the way I approached the game. Once you start talking to characters, you learn their story as well, and they become a story that you can tell other characters. Well, Mm -hmm. once you get a couple characters fully woke or fully awakened... There are wild cards to be used in that category for any of the four types of stories that you're looking for. So if you have two or three characters that have gotten uh, fully evolved, you could use them on the third or fourth night and go through pretty damn quickly and start knocking out other characters. So once I got Quinn, uh, Ben, and... uh, Trying to think of a World War One veteran, uh, uh, Mason. Once I got the three of them, uh, either complete or close to it, uh, the gambler in Florida, I knocked out in just uh, like fifteen minutes. Uh, the preacher in Georgia, uh, same thing. I knocked out pretty quickly. Yeah, I love the preacher. I think he was my favorite. Uh. Th- and I'm not discrediting the actual characters because the characters were really interesting, especially once you got to that last night and their portrait changes to sort of their struggle. Like the gambler in George or the gambler in Florida, she turns into a sly fox. Uh, the preacher turns into a man uh, fighting with an angel because he's not sure if he's really a preacher or even you know, what he really believes because he's a traveling preacher that goes to pretty much any denomination, but he was never really a preacher to begin with. He lied to be able to go fight in World War I. Mm-hmm. But at this point, he's not sure if that was really a lie because it's been so long and he's talked the word of God for so long. Uh, Quinn is a wolf with two hounds. Uh, I think the most interesting evolution was really Mason. Uh, did you talk to him much? No, I met him and just did the first night with him. Okay, so he eventually gets conflicted about, yo, uh, uh, is, did he really die on the battlefield? Because uh, he injured his leg, but didn't see treatment for it quickly enough and lost it. And took it out on his sister, Jesse. And he also was part of the March on Washington. Uh, the uh, blanking on the name of the movement... It, it was the it was the World War One uh, veterans that were demanding their back pay, their retirement pay, it, which was a real moment, by the way, during the Great Depression. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. the uh, The bonus army, bonus bonus army, yeah. The the bonus march, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He was part of the bonus army, and uh, uh, conflicted uh, or yelled at the government for it uh, for not getting his pay. 
uh, being at Ghent. And not really sure where he belonged because part of him died on the battlefield, but part of him still living. And his portrait literally is split down the middle, uh, being pulled apart between the soldier and the civilian. Uh, the porter, which I'm blank on his, uh, Franklin, uh, talks about the many masks that he wears because, uh, uh sure he, uh, uh, makes a lot more money than most black men does uh, in that time, but he's never really himself. He's always hidden behind a mask and he is uh, losing himself to it as well, much like Mason or much, much like, uh, the preacher, I should say. Where, uh, I'm a porter, I'm a, a trained man, I'm a black man, uh, but I'm never really me because I'm happy to hide uh, who I am to be able to survive in these times. And it's, uh, it makes me wish I had more time with all these characters. You know, we're just really scratching the surface on their stories and you know, now we suddenly can't talk to them anymore. Yeah. I mean, they're, he, they're, the game is definitely trying to explore all these different themes, these different facets of humanity and and real struggles that we have, which I love and appreciate. But it's very, uh, it, it's not very deep because yeah. they're trying to hit so many different ones. I think if the game narrowed its scope, instead of removing sort of the cross country thing, narrowing it down to maybe five or six characters and yeah, having to, to more time the... with each of them. Yeah, to borrow the Bethesda uh, quote, why is an ocean deep as a puddle? Right. They don't, they don't go that far in depth. You're told these tragic stories, but it's always little snippets. You're not really told or never really get a chance to interact with the stories. You're never really learning what's behind them. Yeah. Like it's tragic to hear about a, a woman who's baby died so she dumps the body on a coal train but uh, it's loses the impact whatever it's just a couple lines of text and that's it and you just maybe you learn about it, the story evolving but uh. yeah so I'm, I want to talk a minute about a couple of things or a few things that we do or that I really do like about this game um uh, the sound, well, everything that has to do with the audio for this game, the yeah, music, the music and, is and the fucking amazing. The narration solid mm -hmm. all the way through. All the voice acting is amazing. Um, at least all of it that I heard, I can't say all of it, but every bit that I heard was amazing. The, you know, the music, including the whistling is great. Um, you know, I bitched about that a minute ago, but that's only because I had to listen to the whistling for like four hours. I wandered around the country. <laughs> um they the art style is really good i love the art style and how that there are these uh the characters become these what's the right way to say it i mean some of them are anth anthropomorphic animals or some of them are more complex you know when you're talking about the struggles that they experience when you max out the story or whatever or when you meet like the wolf at the very beginning of the game who turns you into a skeleton man. Um, I think there's, there's a huge element and it, it's pretty blatant at parts in this game about some sort of mystical, magical, spiritual stuff. Yeah. Metaphysical. 
I think the true manifestation of people when you learn their true story is when you can see what they really are. And for you, you're a skeleton man. Like you make a, a basically you make a deal with the devil. Um, and well, maybe not basically, but that's sort of the, the gist is like, you make a deal with this creature that you don't know is some kind of evil wolf. Um, but it turns out that it is a wolf and I, okay. The biggest reason I'm saying evil is because I can, comp- am comparing this pretty heavily to American gods, which is what this feels a lot like. And in American Gods, essentially, that's what happens. Makes a deal with the devil and then goes on this journey across the country, um, completing various tasks, gathering stories, gathering power. That's pretty much where the similarities end, but it feels very inspired by American Gods. Um, But anyways, I think that's why nobody really cares that you're a skeleton man, because they don't know your true story. So to them, you just look like a man. Which I kind of like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love the soundtrack. I do love how good the audio quality is, the the voice acting. I loved all of that. I loved every moment sort of when I was living in this world, not just kind of trying to march around it to collect stories when I was like, oh, wow, this is neat and cool. And it was new before it started to get old. I loved the atmosphere that it created. Yeah, especially, uh, uh, yeah, especially once I got to the point where I just wanted to see the characters and I just started uh gamifying uh yeah build up a few stories to have in my arsenal to be able to knock out a character pretty quickly to learn their story but then i'm starting to lose the point of it right i i like the i like the concept of the game a lot more than the actual game itself Mm -hmm. agreed i'm trying to think that's probably about all i really have to say about it um in a in sort of a deeper conversation do you have anything you want to add before I kind of ask uh, you a couple of questions? Not really. I mean, I never actually got very far to the West. I got to the Midwest, and that was about where I petered out. Uh, the Midwest and the South, because, you know, it's large swaths of land. And I can only imagine once you got to the Southwest, when, you know, it's desert and, you know, more desert. There's not a lot to really see which uh, I think that I think this game would have been a lot better if there was a more reliable source of fast travel once you max out the characters and get uh, learn all their story and get them off the map essentially you are given a trinket which is a portal to a town uh, to a particular city but the thing is that it's usually a city that you're already visited so you know I had portals to Boston, Richmond, Miami. Miami was the weird one. That's what you start with. And we, neither of us realized we had it first. Yeah. The and game you, doesn't do a good job of explaining most mechanics to you. Uh, but all, all the fast travel is one direction. So even if you're hitchhiking, which is supposed to be the faster method of getting over land, it's always one direction, uh, either to or from a city. So I would have liked to seen a little bit more of a, a, a multi-directional uh, fast travel, which I realize is isn't exactly great because you still have the issue of not being able to get out whenever you want. But 
have some sort of method of being able to quickly travel in a different direction than the general flow. Like, uh, if you're going in the northeast, pretty much everything's going south. If you don't have the fast travel to Boston, you're taking the slow method. Walking. Uh, I think that would have helped a bit with the uh, the fact that the game is very sluggish. But also have the ability to get out whatever the hell you want instead of, oh, there's a lot of stories here. I need to collect the... Can we stop? Please? <laughs> yeah, can I get out of the car? Please? Stop? Police? Help? I'm being kidnapped? <laughs> but, yeah, it's, that's the thing, is that... I think the game is bogged down really by a lot of just small design decisions. Yeah, the fact that fast travel is so either expensive, uh, going from uh, city to city via the rails, uh, and that usually ends up costing you health as well, which uh, dying isn't really that big a deal because it just teleports you randomly across the map. Supposedly, I never died in this. I also never died, despite many times having no health or no yeah. money. Or not, or being exhausted. I never had any negative consequences from that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you have to have a lot of money to go directly from city to city via rail, or just hop a rail and you know, uh, hope it you know spits you out where you think it will. Or the cars, which for the depression, there's a lot of cars, isn't there? Oh yeah, traveling because, great distances. Yeah. Uh, on interstates that won't exist for another, yeah, uh, twenty 50, to thirty uh, years. Yeah, twenty to thirty years. Yeah, yeah, because well, the interstate system really kicked off in the sixties. Yeah, so thirty years or so. Yeah, and the interstates that are there are labeled wrong. Actually, that's something that was messed up about the South. It's like oh, so I, yeah. that's not. This should be I seventy five. Where's I seventy five? Very. Why is this labeled uh, uh, an interstate? Yeah, that's that's another thing is that they cut it down was uh, made it where it was more about the back roads and back ways. And th that's something that did kill some of the Americana was the interstate system where, you know, all these little towns died off. But mm, right, that's uh, this game feels like a really, really, really good concept that just needed to bake for a little bit more. Yeah. Anyway, I agree. You, were, you had questions. Well, I just wanted to ask you a couple of wrap-up questions. So, okay. over, I mean, we, you and I both have bitched more than we have praised. Do you like this game? Do you think it's worth recommending to even like a certain type of player, or do you feel like oh. that there's nothing here? I'm not going to go as far to say there's nothing here because there is something here. Especially for somebody that's really interested in Americana and, and American folklore. Uh, I would say, in general, this time frame, even though we both have uh, talked about how the game takes some liberties with its own time frame. Yeah. But I won't say that there's nothing here, but at the same time, I'm not sure if I could uh, recommend it at the full price either. This is a, a really, really really good case for the game pass <laughs> where I would feel actually a lot worse about this game if I bought it uh, at full price. And I'm not sure if I would uh, feel that much better about it if I bought it on deep discount. 
Yeah. So, I had kind of an interesting sort of back and forth experience with it. At first, I loved it. Yeah, same. Then, absolutely loved it. The first, I would say, half hour, hour. Then I really started to dislike it. Then I got into some of the more interesting characterizations and started to really like it again. And then went, you know what? I don't think this game is for me. I think that there is definitely something here for the right type of player. Or something that if you play through a service like Game Pass or if you buy it very cheaply through a sale on Steam, I don't know what the historic low price is, but I mean, to me, this is easy, like an easy five buck game. I think it's like 20 bucks full price, but it's it's an easy five bucks for me to get through this experience, to enjoy the, or to to have the experience. Uh, historic low, I'm looking for it. Uh, why are you giving me this in? Wait, what? What currency is this? <laughs> uh, continue. I'm trying to figure out why this is giving me this in this currency. Okay. Um, but anyways, to to the 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 right type of player, it's easily worth five bucks, maybe even ten. I don't know if I could re- recommend it at full price, but at the end of the day, that's sort of a decision that the buyer has to make. Um. This game definitely has something to offer, though. Definitely. And perhaps were I in the right mood or had maybe played it at a different time, like either literally or sort of at a, a better time in my life. I don't, I don't quite know the right way to say it, but just like played it at a more opportune time where I could absorb it and engage with it and get past the parts where it's boring more easily. There is a lot to offer here. Um, it's very meaty, but boy, does it take a long time to get through and engage with it in that way. I think this is a game that you either will thoroughly enjoy or n- thoroughly dislike. I don't really think there's much room for middle ground here just because of how sort of extreme its narrative is and can be and the type of game mechanics that it has. Like, you're either all about it, or you're not about it at all. And I think normally I would have been all about it, but the, like I said, the gameplay mechanics really bogged me down because it got in the way of the experience. And then also, sort of, this is the type of game that I don't know, like, that might have been better served for me personally if I'd played it not for Game Club. Then I wouldn't have been sort of trying to get through it. I would have engaged with things in a different way like I, I might come back to it and play it again later this year year maybe in the summer or in the fall during one of the times where usually i've got like a week to myself while katie and and the kid go visit her family or whatever um i might try and play it again then but you know i also might not if, if it goes away from game pass i'm probably not going to buy it yeah it looks like it's had some really really severe discounts but it's typical discount is something in the ballpark of 75 percent off on steam which brings it down in the five buck range mm-hmm. but it's gone as low as a dollar something so there is that but it's average lowest price it's somewhere in the eight dollar range 
Yeah, it looks like its lowest is usually in the five to eight dollar range. So yeah, uh, on historic lows, on the, is there any deal? But with like some anomalies, like GOG's is listing it at twenty one cents, which is either an error or they had some sort of like bundle with uh, this game included, which is a possibility. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting that it, they uh, they're talking about similar games like this, like NeoCab and uh, uh, and actually Bastion's another good example of this one. Wherever they talk about uh, other games like this, where it's very heavily focused on the narration and on an overarching story. And I do think this is something for a certain person. Uh, I will agree with you that I don't think it's for me. And that there's just too much of gaming mechanics surrounding a a good central idea that it just kind of gets lost in in the execution. I'm not calling it a bad game actually far from it. It's just they got lost on their uh, on their journey to uh, the the finish or I, I I really think this game came out too early. Yeah. This feels like a game that needed another 6 months of development to uh, sort out some just minor quibbles. I mean, if you were able to hitchhike and then get off at any point, uh, that would just make uh, traveling so much better, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, it would. Because then you could get around a lot faster. And it's like, as soon as you saw something interesting, hop out, go over to it, come back, hitchhike again. Of course, they would have to limit the uh, interstate system to you know, just the mayor, major thoroughfares and have it where there's a lot more off the beaten path. But that's really America, isn't it? Yeah. It also, sure. it also feels like they built the the game world and the narration in two different time frames. Because like we talked about, the interstate system is there, in, at least it's in its infancy. But it's set during the Depression. Do you think this game would have made a little bit more sense of uh, bumping the time frame up to the 40s or 50s and have it be where all the backward stuff is still you know, very depressed, very uh, dilapidated. So th- you still have uh, you know, the supernatural elements. I think so. But also kind of in the same vein, I, I think this is something where they're asking us to sort of uh, suspend our disbelief for the, the narrative purpose of the story. I, I think it would have made it a tighter, sort of mo- more cohesive narrative if it had been post-World War II. Um, but I feel like, and and you know, obviously I was not around this time, but I feel like around that era, a lot of sort of the mm, magic—I don't know if that's the right word—but sort of this mystification of things started to go away as we got closer and closer to the modern era, and a huge portion of the story is couched in that mysticism and. Um, the unexplainable of that realm. And post-World War II, a lot of that was gone. You know, it was the the atomic era, you know, and science was, you know, on the rise, or, or however you want to say it. 
And that stuff still existed for sure. It still exists today in in various forms. But everything at that point in time in history had a mystical tinge to it. Yeah, that is true. Maybe it's just the fact that the interstates are there that makes it feel off. Yeah. I mean, they didn't even have to do all that much. All they had to do was make the interstates squiggly. Yeah, they could have been state highways, which did exist in in limited forms at that period, um, as opposed to the actual interstate system. But uh, Ludo narrative dissonance comes in there. Yeah, and and definitely uh, storytelling segregation. Yeah, and that could definitely get to some people more than others for sure. And it's not like anyone who feels that way is wrong about it. It's like it's there. That's wrong, historically speaking. Not even within, like, wiggle room. You're, like, 30 years too soon for this. Yeah, and there, and like you said, uh, I mean, I could get into some of the uh, stories themselves. Like, well, I mentioned Ben, uh, the uh, coal miner, is in the wrong Virginia. Uh, they had the story of Pecos Bill happen uh, in, like, right on the border of Pennsylvania and Ohio when that should have been you know, further out in like Kansas or something. Yeah. Uh, it just it feels like they kind of shifted everything at the last moment and never had time to adjust everything. And that's uh, that's probably why it feels so half-baked at times. Between that and some of the uh, quality of life issues that would have made things so much better if they had a little bit more uh, of uh, gameplay feedback, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not, it doesn't ruin the game, but it just, it it, it bugs me. It, it It's some of those very small quibbles that kind of stick with me, that, that get up in my crawl and just fester there. It's a lot of little things, and the game is already asking you to buy buy into so much. Well, it's also asking you to pay attention to the details. That, that That's the thing, is that the game is about the details, about these seeds of stories that uh, grow. So it's asking you to focus on these details whenever it you know, bumbles on its own details. It's ignoring its own rules, basically. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So is that it, or do you have more? <laughs> no, that's all that I have. Actually, we went on with that one for a lot longer than I expected. We did indeed. Um, Not so long that we can't cover some news, but we have something else to talk about first. Yeah, so moving on to next month's Game Club, we are going to be playing Stacking, a relatively short... Um, Hopefully puzzle game i think the like the average time for how long to beat is like four or five hours um and we have the i mean february is a shorter month but we still have uh four weeks to play this game in and we're kind of doing this to pad out the time for our march game club so we can get additional time with march's game club game yeah we should probably just go ahead and say what that one is just to throw that one out there if anybody wants us to play along Yep, we are going to be playing Outer Worlds as our March game club. Um, we had a, a brief discussion about this two months ago, three months ago, something like that. Yeah, about essentially the opening area and 
Uh, and we also talked a bit about it during the VGO Awards because it was my best game I played last year. So much so that I wanted to hold off on it to be able to talk about it more in depth. Yep. And that is a pretty big game. So um, we're going to have the month of March for that, which is a, I believe, a, a month with five weeks in it, or five yeah. weeks for the record. And then also we're playing a really short game in February to give more time and space to play Outer Worlds. So if you want to participate in that, either of those game clubs, uh, get uh, get get on that. Get, get crack-a-lockin'. I will say that uh, Stacking, I have played it before n- a number of years ago, but it ran really well on my laptop, which means that it basically will run on a potato. So oh, it, I, I'll take that challenge. Because remember, I've, in- I've had some weird shit go on with my computer. I That's mean, true. Just, just this week, so. That is very true. So, looks like, let's see, I'm pulling up. Looks like a couple of people, well, one person in the community. I have several people on my friends list who have this, who has this, but of people in the community, it looks like Jim is the only person other than you and I who has it and has played it previously. Stacking? Yeah. Well, remember, this was also a Twitch uh, prom game, so. Yeah, true. So there are other places you can play it. Yeah, but... We need to get out after some people for uh, some game club stuff, aren't we? Yeah. Gonna, gonna twist because, some arms. Yeah, we're also gonna have to have a choose thing before too long because we are running out of games we've picked, so. Are we? Uh, getting close to it. Let's we see. We only have two more on the list, and we have a gap between the two. Oh, that's right. We do have our gap. That gap. I'm not a big fan of, of the gap, honestly. Both the store and the gap. The ladies. Well, well I, couldn't, have... I couldn't fit my fat, fat ass into anything in there anyway. I couldn't <laughs> fit my ass into that gap. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Well, I don't All know. Right. Maybe, maybe I could, like, uh, you know, uh, sew together two pairs of pants from there. And just, you know, have, uh, eh, too much work. Let's just go to the Fat Man uh, store instead. Absolutely. Big dog. Where it's at. Honestly, probably uh, a lot cheaper as well. <laughs> Even after um, the fat tax. Yeah. Fat tax. So, uh, how about, uh, we talk about Scott Manley? Let us do that. Hello. Um, and our first news Hello, topic you're hearing that's in his voice. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Uh, the Plex for Good campaign nets a big bid. So, yeah. Eve Online, that's a game that we have talked about before, like eh, maybe once or twice. You know, yeah, we, it's come up here. Yeah, and, yeah, we have like an annual uh, event that we talk about it at some point. Yeah, so... um. Eve Online was doing a big uh, donation to the Red Cross, right? Well, uh, a, Red Cross? A, a charity auction. A charity auction. And one of the extremely rare ships, which was only given away to people that won contests at some of their fan cons early on. 
a gold-plated uh, Baganate uh, ship, which is a low-tier ship, but there's only a a, a, a a guesstimate of two or three of them still around because a lot of them were destroyed. Yep, and when shit gets blown up, like the special shit, it don't get replaced in EVE. So, one of the remaining ones was... Uh, put up for auction for this charity uh, event, uh, ran by the actual company, not you know some random Joe. Because Eve has a history of a lot of piracy, a lot of dickery, a lot of screwing over people. But uh, Jared wouldn't know anything about that. Not only is that allowed, it's actively encouraged. So CCP themselves, that's the the devs, uh, were the ones who did the auction. That way, it, it wouldn't be. Uh, a scam. And this was going to the Australian Red Cross, and the winning bid for this one ship was 1,001,001 Plex, which uh, a while back, uh, the Plex essentially had a stock split so that one Plex uh, got split into something like 50 different parts. But to give you a little bit of a idea of what this how much this is uh, they thankfully did some math on it uh it was approximately 160 years worth of game time or a ballpark forty thousand dollars worth of plex for a single ship and it was donated or or the winning bid was by scott manley <laughs> of uh Kerbal Space Program fame, of YouTube fame, of uh, science uh, YouTuber fame, of scientist fame, of whatever uh, you want you know him from, because he's a man of many hats and very little hair. Indeed. So this is the sort of the plex to cash conversion is what gives the all of the crazy articles you see once or twice a year, like ten thousand dollars worth of ships destroyed in Eve Online battle. Because it's like there is a currency conversion for the in-game currency or like the, the standard currency ISK to Plex, which has a real-world value. And people buy Plex and use it to trade and for, for special items or to just get a really quick cash inflection in the game. Um, or injection, not inflection. Injection. So you can roughly translate any in-game value to a real world monetary value for these types of comparisons. So I think this is a new record though, for money comparisons. Like there has been like 3000 and 10,000. I think one of the, the huge battles was like an approximate $30,000 worth of. Yeah. But uh, this was also a single person, single ship. And, uh, according to some of the articles, this is one of the biggest, or if not the biggest, just single buys of a spaceship, <laughs> a virtual spaceship. Because hell, even Star Citizen uh, does it spend does it require this much for a single ship? Wasn't it like twenty five thousand or was it twenty five hundred? That was you got everything. Uh, something like uh, like that. But there was also one where uh, you had to sp- spend so many thousands to even be able to see the high end uh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, remember. Uh, yeah, I remember that. that. We had that discussion a while back. So this has to be up there, if not the top, for single ship 
or in single donation. And the thing is, it's not Scott mainly spent 40000 on a ship. Because a lot of EVE is about trading, about piracy. So this may just be him haggling and, you know, you know this may be his earnings through EVE that he bought a gold-plated ship with it. Yeah. But then again, I, he also has the YouTuber money, so I, it definitely I is not the YouTuber money. <laughs> I remember Scott Manley has at one point done a lot, or a decent amount of EVE content in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if he is like either the head of or near the top of a successful corporation in-game. I mean, it's very possible he could have put that much money up on his own, but I suspect that also it was a, a pool of a lot of resources that he had. Which, you could, if you're that high up, then you are raking in a lot of plex. Yeah. So, if, it's, if not, you're, so it's not inconceivable that this was just profits that he's had, and that he's if, no longer uh, paying into the game that yep, he's getting paid for it, essentially. Yeah, if you're near or at the top of a really successful corporation. I mean, corporations charge taxes in game for use of the services that they provide. And the taxes are usually cheaper than what you pay to utilize the services that they have, like the NPC owned stations or neutral stations or whatever. But I mean, still, if you've got, you know, a, a 10,000 member strong corporation and you are one of the top people, even if you're only getting like, you know, a half a percent of the taxes, coming to you that could still be potentially billions of taxes or billions in taxes a month which you could easily convert to plex so and i like that he choked on this other article now how to get it to somewhere safe <laughs> because you know that there's going to be a lot of people gunning for him whenever he uh, pulls it out of dry dock to be able to get it to his holdings yeah you could you could get it somewhere really safe pretty easily, actually, as long as you didn't like try and do it publicly, because you could uh, create a, a like a contract where that it's hidden inside of like a, a secure container, and you have like an alt, an unknown alt lists the contract, or maybe even do the hauling for you, mm-hmm. and then 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 no one would ever know. Yeah, and he may just be playing it up, but it, but he's also yeah you know, maybe you know, uh, teasing about trying to do something with it. Yeah. Because you never know, right? I mean, this is a very rare, rare, rare thing. So uh, the fact that he has it now to toy around with, right? Yeah. But it is also a very low-tier ship. Uh, the, the Tech Raptor article actually goes into, uh, you can have all the necessary skills to fly in approximately 25 minutes. Which... Sounds like a lot until you realize, you know, some of the high-end ships, it's months, if not years. Yeah, on my on my main character, some of the things that I can, can fly genuinely took nine or ten months to train the skills to be able to do it. Like, it's crazy, the amount that you have to invest in the, in the game in order to be able to, to do some of the stuff. And, like, I have played off and on, but in my main character, I've got probably a year and a half to two years of, of game time, like, of that or of available training time, and I don't have all the skills trained in the game. I'm missing a ton of stuff. 
it, it genuinely takes years to completely max out everything, and they they add new skills occasionally. So it's 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 a lot. Just looking, I went to go look at because I'm the magnate was from the Amar faction. I did not play the Amar very much. I tended to play the Galente, who focus on drone combat and carriers. Um, and I, I like that sort of standoffish gameplay. This is oh one of the exploration geared vessels. Uh, yeah. So it's not like a completely useless ship because its primary purpose is not combat. So you could use it for exploration for for hunting down. Um, yeah, but yeah, but just like a golden ship, right? Oh yeah, I mean you would get spotted immediately, and people would come and try to kill you. And this is a very this is a squishy ship. So you would get fucked pretty quickly um, if someone tracked you down. Even if you're in the high security sectors of the game where the cops will show up and kill anybody who ganks you, they could blow you up before the cops got there. So you do not want to... uh, Yeah, it's basically a very shiny thing to send a dry dock. Yeah. You take screenshots of it. Ooh, look at my cool ship. So yeah, just a little piece of of good news. Nice to have little happy newses every once in a while. Drag out Eve for a minute and then put it back away. Far away from you. Yep. So the next game, or not next game, the next news topic we have for this week, the video game gambling legislation proposed to clarify Washington state laws. Yeah. So when... Right. Yeah. When you read that headline, you go, oh, Washington State is putting in gambling legislation specifically related to video games. And then you read it. And the whole thing comes down to this one sentence, which I'm going to read. For the purposes of this section, illegal gambling games does not, that's does not, include online games of chance when played solely for entertainment purposes with virtual items, if such virtual items may be used only for gameplay and may not be, per the terms of service of the game, transferred, exchanged, or redeemed for money or property. Which is... Well, fuck. Which the way that I read that basically says, uh, okay, this is gambling, but it's not illegal gambling because these things, being primarily loot boxes or other sort of chance mechanics like that in video games because you can't cash them out it doesn't really count no no all right here's how i read it this is gambling we know this is gambling but the lobbyists paid us a lot of money and we have microsoft and we <laughs> have a lot of big tech companies in our state so please do not leave it that's yeah. how i read it yeah but then again, I may be a pessimist in that. No, I think we, we both live in America. We're we're pretty realistic on this. We both live in the South. We've seen people vote against their own interests far too often. All the time. All the, the only sort time. of silver lining that I can think about this is that perhaps, just maybe, the the civilized world will look at this and be like, okay, I mean, that's a step. So we're going to do this, except we're going to do it properly to protect people and tell these companies that they can't fuck us over. 
And also the thing is that federal law would supersede state law on this. So maybe, just maybe, we could see it where there's a nudge of uh, the attention from this. Can make this a federal thing or just California or Texas, you know, somewhere that's big enough to have enough of a swing. Basically, the big uh, dogs in the uh, Electoral College. California, uh, Texas, New York. Yeah, throws in the opposite direction where they see this as a bad thing, writes it the other way, and starts a domino effect. But the fact that they specifically write it in like this is just scummy. Mm-hmm. It does I mean, not uh, it does not make me happy. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the article actually says, well, notably Washington State is the home to a number of PC game or number of video game companies, including Valve, Microsoft, Nintendo, well, Nintendo of America, uh, and countless smaller developers of PC, console, and mobile games. In fact, that's the exact reason why this change to the law has bipartisan support in the state. <sighs> Lobbyist went again. I mean, there was also a thing going on today, or the, this past week. I actually didn't put it on the docket. Now that I think about it, I probably should have. Where uh, the video game uh, industry is going against uh, the right to repair because piracy, for whatever reason, right? I'm trying to. Pro- they're against the right to repair because piracy. Basically, they're saying that if they put out the documents and uh, give the parts to fulfill the right to repair legislation that was being uh, proposed, uh, they say that it would oh. uh, uh, put out too much information and have a danger of their intellectual property being stolen by pirates. I I got you. Which is bullshit, like, but eh. I was like, that doesn't make sense. And then you, you, then as soon as you start talking, I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah, essentially, they're saying that having the schematics and being able to have a few parts of a PlayStation would make it where a pirate could reverse engineer a PlayStation and pirate games because that doesn't happen already, right? Yeah, no, that's never happened before with any console ever or video game. Yeah, Never. I'm definitely not playing Pokemon on my Kindle. Definitely not. No. Why would you even think about doing such a thing? Nope. Not allowed. So. Boo. Fuck the U.S. government. Burn it down. Burn it all down. Well, you, I would say you just ended up on a list, but let's be honest. I'm already on enough, a list. Uh, you, you, uh, you're already on several lists. What are you talking about? I'm on all the lists. Fuck it. Burn it all to the ground. Tear it all down. Yeah, pretty much. I mean... Let oh. the past die. Kill it if you have to. It's for my, my Star Wars... Star Wars bros out there. Okay. I'm still like two or three movies behind. And honestly, after seeing the uproar about Rise of Skywalker, not exactly in a hurry anymore. Rise of Skywalker sucks dick. Fight me. It's the worst Star Wars movie. Fight me. Bring it on. It's worse than the holiday special. Maybe. <laughs> the fact that you had to actually sit and think about that. When the and, holiday special has a half an hour of 
just Wookiees yelling at each other. And also the grandpa Wookiee looking at porn. There's definitely more character development in the holiday special than there is in Rise of Skywalker. For well, sure. that's just because B. Arthur's there. It makes uh, the the holiday special makes more sense than Rise of Skywalker. That's that's for sure. Damn. Considering uh, some of the stuff that happened in the holiday special, damn. You're making me kind of wonder watch uh, Rise of Skywalker now just to see the train wreck. Is it what? What is it? That, I think it's the Mandalorian that references the holiday special. I don't think it was Rise of Sky. I think it's the Mandalorian. Uh, Mandalorian. We're talking about Life Day. Yeah, Mandalorian also, is the best uh, also known to ever be committed to film. Uh, also known on the internet as the Baby Yoda show. Yeah, my girlfriend is obsessed with Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda is incredibly adorable. Love that. Love that guy. Yeah, uh, yeah I did show you my T-shirt. I have of him, right? Yeah, you did. Okay. But yeah, Mandalorian is the best Star Wars to ever be committed to film. It's not, uh, obviously it's not a movie, it's a TV show. So it's not the best movie, but it's the best Star Wars. Rise of Skywalker is the worst. Fight me. Come at me, bro. I'm ready. I'm prepared for this shit. The Last Jedi is number two. Sometimes number one, depending on what mood I'm in. So... Empire Strikes Back is obviously the the one that it it goes back and forth with. See, I didn't even watch the Last Jedi. Fucking love the Last Jedi. It's amazing. It does have some bullshit in it, but overall, amazing. Honestly, I didn't really even care that much for the Force of, uh, Awakens. It was okay. I just meh. Yeah, Force was, Awakens is uh, pretty good. It was more of. Boy, I've seen this movie before. Yeah. Force Awakens, uh, pretty good. I, I saw this movie before, and it was better before. Liked it. Kind of average as far as Star Wars movies go. Anyways, we not, we, we're not, we can't, I can't keep going down this rabbit hole. I'm on the verge of giving my list of Star Wars movies in order of what I think their quality is. Like, ranking them all in order. We'll, we'll do that for Outro Babble. I can't, I can't go down this rabbit hole. Well, we'll do it for Outro Babble. Then we'll do it live. Okay. So our final news article of the week, Plague Inc. goes viral in China after coronavirus scare. Yeah, I had to use uh, Tech Raptors thing because that, that was too clever. Yeah. I mean, well done. Perfect. So Plague Inc., a game about uh, epidemics and virus scares. Uh, pretty much anytime there's a big uh, virus scare... Uh, Plague Inc. Uh, kind of pings up, but because it's also uh, gone uh, really big in China, and China's become a very strong hotbed of PC gaming in the last few years, when the coronavirus uh, hit, it went absolutely insane on Steam. It was something like 17,000 players. It was in the top 25 of most games played on Steam. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but whenever you think about it, this is a several-year-old, fairly niche... I'm not even sure how I would describe it. A simulator? Mm-hmm. Where it, it's only uh, gone, well, viral. And it's uh, uh, topping out uh, some major, fairly recent... Uh, 
releases just because people are trying to figure out just how these uh, viruses spread or you know how they can protect themselves and it turns out it's going to Madagascar <laughs> yeah or uh, <laughs> or Greenland <laughs> those are the two places where you're you're probably going to be safe uh but jokes aside they actually the developers of Plague Inc said in a press release that their game is not a scientific model and did not use it for actual information. Even though their game has been been studied for its scientific accuracy, so... Hmm, right? Yeah. They've also done that with WoW. Um, yeah, the, the Blood Plague. Yep. Which yeah, I that, thought was fascinating. Yeah, that, that, was a, uh, that was before my time in WoW. But looking back on it, it's kind of crazy. But WoW also has gotten a lot more sanitized these days. So you don't really see a lot about WoW these days. Yeah. Kind of. I kind of want to play Plague Inc. I've got it. I've played it quite a bit. See, I don't have it. Got a bunch of Chivos. Unlocked a bunch of stuff. I've never played Rebel Inc. Does that take? Is is it is it free or is it does it cost? Uh, Rebel Inc. Uh, has a free demo essentially on mobile. How much is it to just buy the game? Uh, it's free to play, but there's uh, it's a uh, premium, and I think it's only a few bucks. Gotcha. Well, I'm gonna just gonna click to install that. Yeah, I played it before. Remember? Yeah, I remember you played it. I don't remember when. It, it was okay. But also, it suffered from not really explaining what the hell was going on, so it was... But maybe they've gotten better since then. Yeah. Well, I just uh, clicked to install it, so... We shall... I'll give that a try this week. At some point. By the way, I I already have a ranked list of the Star Wars movies. I made one. Going going back to that, it, it mm-hmm. exists already. I don't have to like make it. I have it. So I've I've given this some thought. Um, moving on from that though, get away from that. Uh, that's the last news article we have on the on the on the list, which means uh, that we can head on over and do a discovery queue. Although, the, well, first of all, uh, if you wish to contribute to the show, we don't really have anything on the. Uh, community side of things this week, but if you wish to do so, you could do so over at VGL. Oh, wait, I, oh, that's right. Jim did send something to me. He said that uh, Farming Simulator is free on the Epic Game Store. If for some reason you want to do that, uh, June 30th to February 6th. So we did have something. Uh, if you wish to do a deal with the devil, there you go, right? <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm just uh, double-checking, making sure there's nothing else. I, I did check uh, Twitter beforehand, and I saw nothing. But if you wish to do so... Uh, there we go. Sorry, I had to sign in uh, on the Gmail. If you see a ping, it's me. And yeah, I just wanted to triple-check. Nothing there. Uh, but yeah, if you wish to contribute, vglpodcast at gmail.com. Or on the Twitter, BGL Podcast, over there as well. 
or you just contact us one uh, each one of us directly. Indeed. So, go for the theme song. Mm-hmm. And I was prepared. I have one. Oh, you got Tim Tim. <laughs> I did. I got Tim Tim. Uh, Tim Tim is Pokemon, except on PC, without using an emulator. Um, it's 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 literally someone uh, it's a, cloned it's, Pokemon. It's basically a Pokemon MMO. Yeah. Um, it's got a cooperative through most of the game. Um, the it's it's online. You can see players wandering around. I don't know if there's any PvP to it. I haven't heard anything. Well, sorry, there are. You can do PvP as in like you can battle other players, but I don't think it's like overworld, random PvP like all the time. I mean, there might be a server that's that, but yeah, you don't have to worry about beating another trainer's eyes. Yeah. So, but it. I mean, it, it's Pokemon. It's just Pokemon. I can't so, believe it's taken somebody this long to to make a Pokemon type game on PC. Oh, let me, well, I'm sure there's been others, but like a modern one of these. So, yep, Tim Tim. Well, I got something kind of interesting: Warhammer Underworlds Online, a strategic card game. Where you are, uh, it's a strategic card game battler with some uh, uh, tabletop elements, it looks like as well. It looks very interesting, but I have some very, very mixed reviews, as is any Warhammer game, let's be honest. This looks like it's in the Warhammer fantasy uh, world, but it's a little hard to tell. Uh, I mean, it doesn't say, uh, yeah, 40k, so. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it, yeah, it's Fantasy uh, Warhammer. I was just going to double-check that one. Uh, some people are saying it's very rough, it's very buggy, also known as being a Warhammer game. But, uh, interesting, I, I'm a little leery of the PvP-focused on- aspect of it, because, you know... That requires other players, and Warhammer is kind of a niche game to begin with. Yeah, very niche. But, yeah. Alright, I got another one. Deer Simulator. Uh, this looks like Goat Simulator, except with deer instead of goats. That's, that is all. Actually, there's other animals. It looks like the town's animal-themed. But it's wacky, stupid fun, silly times as a deer instead of a goat. Well, well, deer are pretty stupid, so they could do some weird things with it already and not break, uh, yeah. Uh, suspension of disbelief. It looks like they are going for a low-poly uh, feel for it as well, which is interesting. Yeah. I'm just... Well, the developer seems familiar, but I can't... Pl- uh, in... It feels like I should know them for some reason, or uh, the publisher. But looking at this, I don't recognize much of their stuff, so maybe it's just yeah, a similar name. Possibly, I didn't, I didn't recognize them. Uh, oh, okay. They they did will uh, the publisher did uh, will a wonderful world where it's a a uh, essentially a graphic novel where you're. Or not really a graphic novel. It's a not. It's a 
novel base to game where you're uh, filling in the and changing stories to make more sense and uh, to change the outcome of them. So that was a really uh, innovative game. So interesting. Uh, I knew there was probably a reason why I was recognizing them. Gotcha. I really like that one. I've been meaning to go back and play that sometime. Uh, so I got one. All right. Spellcaster University. Develop a prestigious university of mages. Build rooms. Uh, train your students. Fight orcs. Slay bureaucrats. Manage your budget. A director's life is not a quiet one. So essentially a management game where you're building Hogwarts. Let's be honest here. Well, that sounds it, all right it, to me. It, it doesn't look bad. It's an early access. It's from a small uh, developer. So who knows how it'll end up in the long run of things. doesn't have a lot of reviews, but doesn't look too bad overall. looks like it has some sort of card-based mechanic of building up things, though. So that could be interesting. And it has some already... Uh, random events so hmm. interesting so i got another one resident evil 3 this is the upcoming re remake remaster whatever kind of like how they did resident evil 2 um specifically uh and i have heard nothing but good things about the remake of resident evil 2 resi 3 is actually one of the only ones in the main series that i haven't played i played one and two I played four, played five and six, and I did not play seven because fuck that first person trapped in that tiny, scary house. But um, I've never actually played three, so um, I might, I might, I might go for this. Um, but anyways, I mean, I, you know, just mentioning it mostly because the other one was uh, supposedly so good, so. I mean, if they're, if they're if what they're doing works, then are staying true to the games and updating them to more reflect modern times in terms of graphics and controls and whatnot. I'm all for that. They could do a lot worse. Yeah, uh, I well, I had Deer Simulator, but mm, uh, I got another one called Ether Loop, a hardcore, fast-paced bullet hell with roguelite elements. So. Uh, Binding of Isaac without the Bible. I mean, right? Yeah. It looks pretty uh, good overall. Uh, has a, a very retro feel to it, but doesn't feel overly done. It's nice and bright, unlike a lot of these games, honestly. It looks like it has some pretty varied environments as well, so it's interesting. And hey, it is complete. It's not an early access game, which is also a refreshing thing. And uh, what reviews it does have is very positive. Nice. Um, has a very contra feel to it, almost with the uh, the magic being just kind of crazy, and just looks like you're just randomly uh, grabbed and pulled into a dungeon and have to fight your way out. So it looks like they're not really going for the story elements, which isn't so bad. Damn, that's fast paced. That that looks like a lot of fun. If you're into that sort of the game. So this is probably one of the most interesting games I've seen pop up in Discovery Q in a while. Oh boy. MMO RPG Tycoon 2. Electric no, Boogaloo? Huh? Electric Boogaloo? 
Yes. This looks like a sort of city management type game, but you are managing an MMORPG. And it looks like you're you creating landscapes and towns and quest chains and AI or in, and like classes, but it's single player. So it's you're doing all this stuff and it's saying that this is the subscriber numbers are AI that become interested and like stick around based on changes you make. And it, it looks really interesting. This is kind of similar to something that I had in Pitch a Game one time where it was a guild simulator of trying to deal with uh the players and their uh interaction yeah uh, in interpersonal relationships not just a raw you know uh have this many warriors this many uh clerics that sort of thing but yeah have uh a warrior that yeah has uh trouble in real life and uh, has a drinking problem that you have to try to manage somehow or yeah maybe replace him with someone else or you know the uh uh the rogue is a bit slutty and you know <laughs> it's a little bit too not safe for work and chat and sometimes uh causes uh drama mm-hmm. so uh, this is kind of the overworld version of that maybe where you're building up this fantasy you know, art uh, mmo but very interesting. That's definitely going on my wish list. To pick this up looks later. very cool. I'm tempted it's to in, buy this right now. Uh, yeah, it's in early access. Uh, how long are they playing? Uh, it's fully playable state, although custom handcrafted uh, authored content runs out after a few hours, leaving the procedural game simulation to generate narrative. And they don't plan on changing the price once it goes to the full release. I'm I'm really tempted to, to buy this. And I'm they're saying it. expected to be a long early access prog- process. Problem is, this is a new developer from what everything I can tell. Well, so, this is interesting. Well, well, while you contemplate that, how about I throw in my next one? Okay. So I have Mystria, Occult Shadows. Which is explore the land of Solnius as the shadow of death, a cat girl who's dauntless and fierce. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is either going to be horrible or amazing, and I'm not sure which. It actually doesn't look that bad overall. If you skip kind of the overly sexy outfits, it has a very almost bayonetta feel to it, though. It is an early access, uh, a fairly hardcore 3D action game that is very hard to develop for only a handful of uh, people. So they are on early access, but they also have $21 worth of free, or sorry, of uh, DLC with a free uh, black silk sleepwear DLC. So there you go, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it actually doesn't look bad. It has uh, some actually good-looking battles to it. It has a very Devil May Cry Bayonetta-style uh, uh, you know, combo-esque gameplay. It's just a question of, will it get finished? Right? Yeah. But all the different playable characters or major characters are uh, some sort of uh, anthropomorphic, or no, well, not anthropomorphic, but animal spirit. Like uh, Darkness, the exiled and lonely cat girl sees combat as her life. 
the spiritual messenger, the Arctic Fox, too quick for the eyes, the Fox Girl, who knows almost everything. The Dutch Rabbit, the Keeper of the Phantom Well, the Bunny Girl, who's a bit silly. <laughs> I mean, it actually doesn't look bad, does it? That's the, that's kind of the scary thing, huh? I, yeah. You're too aroused no. to care about gameplay at this point, let's be honest. <laughs> well, that's for, for more than, than one reason, not just the cute cat girl. Uh, I'm not actually going to... I don't... I don't. Okay, so the, here's the one that I've got. VR Paradise. Oh, boy. And let me just read you this. VR Paradise is a virtual strip club for educated grown-ups who own a VR headset. Like, there's there's more, but just that's what it is. And it's it, there's there's lots of, of nudity in on this page and strippers. And I don't know if I want to put a link to that in the show notes. Probably not. But basically, it, I mean, literally, it's a strip club. And you can design the women. And in one of the trailer videos, it's like full body modification. Oh, there's, yep, there's nips. I mean, I'm okay with nips, but probably shouldn't put those in the in the show notes. But full mod- body modification, dressing, like, or undressing, lap dances, like the whole, the whole quote unquote gentleman's club experience i mean uh steam did say that they're okay with adult games so there you go right yep yep yeah i'm getting a lot uh well i had one that's vr only and one that's not english uh, what is yeah here's okay. one that's I- not english although it's titled that the name is in english but nothing else is in english it's called some some convenience store i just got that okay I got that and I skipped over it because it's not English. But I got one that looks interesting. Even though it does look a little adult at times as well. Uh, I have no idea how to pronounce that. <laughs> uh, let's just go Mask of Deception because... Uh, but it has... Rumino, I think. Sure. Uh, but you can see one of the cutscenes definitely looks a little adultish, huh? But... It's a tactical RPG with a visual novel from the looks of it. Mm-hmm. It looks interesting, at least. Uh, looks like uh, that's the only thing that they've done so far with uh, various bundles. Uh, looks like this isn't the first uh, one in the series either. There's another one that's it has a very almost Final Fantasy Tactics-esque uh, battle system on top of uh, the visual novels. Uh, looks like uh, there is censored content. Uh, some C- uh, uh, CGs were censored, which were carried over from the console releases. So looks like there was nudity that they cut. So maybe there'll be a patch for it later if you care about the nips. We'll Gotta see. care about the nips. Yeah. Where it's at. My cue's done. The some some convenience store was the last one in my queue. Yeah, I have three more. So, uh, is this? Oh, whoa! Getting retro. Okay, fine. We'll do this one. We'll, we'll do this. We'll do it live. And as soon as I just copy and paste. So. This is an old game. Commandos 2 HD Remaster. 
Oh yeah, that is old. I think even yeah. HD Remaster is old. Like several years at this point, I think. Well, uh, I'm not sure why it's showing up now, but right. Maybe it was like just recently published or something. Or yeah, it looks like it may. Yeah, it looks like it was recently put out on Steam at the very least. But some um, not very well done. It looks like there's a lot of problems with it. I thought this uh, censorship was my biggest complaint. No swatchkas, no Hitler on the uh, full motion video, no rising sun on the Japanese uh, planes. For, uh, get all that. Also, the co-op was removed, and the game is just a lesser version. So yeah, it sounds like they uh, sanitized it. Mm, all right. Yeah, not a good thing. Well, I see. That. I got something from Jared's discovery queue. What'd you get? Hinta mosquito Nico waifus. <laughs> yeah, obviously that's on the wrong uh, discovery queue. And last one. Huh. That is interesting looking, so I'll throw that on the queue as well. So once again, okay. I get a fair amount. Lena's Inception. It looks like uh, Link to the Past only the game got corrupted the legendary hero is dead and a strange glitch is is spreading across the kingdom explore dangerous dungeons and and defeat the eight archangels to restore order into a unraveling world in this epic action adventure RPG I mean this does look like uh, Link to the Past only breaking the fourth wall and with a lot of computer references like the f- boss that they show, the Archangel, uh, Archangel, mm-hmm. is Catskill, as in a cat with some sort of plug on its tail and a computer for a head. Oh, interesting. I mean, this is like Link to the Past, but uh, sort of a self-referential to RPGs as well. And it looks like there's different art styles with an 8-bit and 16-bit uh, version as well. That That's really interesting looking. If Assuming, of course, you know, it's you know, it plays out all that well. This does look interesting, but definitely not like the type of game that I would enjoy. Well, it's also pretty cheap as well. I mean, it's getting down in that, yeah, area of uh, impulse buys. Yeah. And this is also, you know, I played uh, Link's Awakening, and this is kind of, you know, making me feel, you know, vibes from that as well. And it has local co-op as well, which is kind of neat. It could be interesting to see what they go with it. I, I like uh, the fact that, go into the uh, actual text of the uh, thing. The kingdom of gl- of uh, random symbols, it's glitching. The, e- the evil chairman of the Banker's Guild has captured the princess opening the way for destruction uh, at the hands of the archangels with the hero eliminated and the world horribly unraveling uh, reluctant uh, tutor Lena must step up and s- to save the kingdom but it won't be easy all she has to do is guide her voice to the uh, deceased elder and he seems to know more than he's letting on <laughs> so this is like a, a whole commentary like of uh, Link's Awakening Link's the Past yeah this could be really interesting for um, art style. 
Yeah, this could be really interesting for retro uh, RPG fans. Indeed. Will you choose Henna, the uh, the free range chicken with a vendetta, or has Gorgon, the sentient pumpkin, for to discover? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the chicken. The free range chicken with a vendetta. <laughs> Chickens are always OP in these games. Cluck, cluck. But yeah, that was the last one on my queue, and that's really an interesting one. Which is part of the reason why we do this anyway, right? Indeed. Well, with that being both of our cues, hey, Rage, why don't you uh, hit them with the socials? Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me over on the YouTubes, maybe someday, Gaming with Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, Gaming with Seahar, or if you wish to be my friend on Steam, I'm Caffeine Rage over there as well. And you've been... Gaming Psychologist. You can find me over on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist on Twitter at JMA4707. Or you can be my friend on Steam by sending a friend request to JArthur4707. And if you want to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Promenade. Promenade. I tried to come up with a, a better one because we've already used Soul Churn, which would have been perfect for this episode. Indeed. So, once again, uh, if you wish to contribute to this absolute madness, you can do so. VGLpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming-related topics, or just tweet them to us over at Podcast on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons have paid for this absolute madness. You can find out more at patreon.com slash Podcast. And if you wish to have the RSS feed instead of using the podcatcher of your choice or to have access to the show notes or links to all our stuff, you can find us at But you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and your podcatcher of choice as well. Our intro and outro music is on the ground, and our discovery key music is doobly-doo, both by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work over at incomputech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye-bye now. See you next time.